Well, friends, what have you got in your life that's worth keeping? Maybe it's old school books. Hold on to them dearly. Or maybe it's drawings that your kids did when they were little. Uh, when Catherine and I were courting, we spent a year uh, living in towns who were hundreds of kilometres apart. And in that 12 months, we mo- wrote sorry, many letters uh, to one another. And I really want to keep them. But there's other things, aren't there, in our lives that we would like to keep, but it's not as easy to keep them as just putting them away in the cupboard. Uh, Like your memories, you've got to work at keeping your memories, don't you? It's why we take photos, isn't it? Because things are so easy to forget. But it's not just enough to take photos. You've got to, you know, download them onto your computer. You've got to sort them out so it's not just a higgledy-piggledy mess. You've, You've probably a good idea at least to print some of them. Uh, And that's not even enough, though, because you've got to spend the time to actually look at them. Otherwise, the memories go. Uh, Just last week, Catherine and I were looking at some photos of our kids when they were young, and even though it was only five years ago, we'd already forgotten that they used to look like that, and they used to smile like that, and they used to laugh like that. Keeping our memories, it, it takes work, but it's worth it, isn't it? Friends, as we begin the second half of Ephesians, it's that sort of thing that's at the heart of our verses, that Christ has given us something that is worth keeping. And it is so enormously significant that the Apostle Paul says we're to make every effort to keep it. Now, what is it that is so important that we've got to make sure we keep it? It's our unity of the Spirit. And this unity is so significant that everything we do and say is to make sure that we keep it. So let's have a look. Uh, We're going to first look at what our unity of the Spirit is, and then we'll look at what we're to do in order to keep it. So first, what our unity of the Spirit is, and we're going to start at verse 1, where we'll see that our unity is something that God has called us to. So chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, where it says live a life worthy of the calling you've received, literally it's walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Uh, Walk the Christian life in such a way as to match God's calling on you. But that begs at least two questions, doesn't it? Uh, What is our calling and how do you walk in a manner worthy of it? Well, firstly, our calling, what is it? And Paul's actually already detailed for this in chapters 1 to 3. And we looked at these chapters a little earlier in the year. Quick recap. Chapter 1, as we saw even earlier on this morning, we read of God calling us to the very center of his plans for all creation. Because God's grand plan for all things is for Christ to be the head over all things, the ruler over all creation and chapter one tells us that God has already achieved that for us because God's already brought us under Christ he's already forgiven us in Christ adopted us in Christ chosen us in Christ our calling is to be united to the Lord of all creation and so we've been brought to the very center of God's plan for all things And we're not just there by ourselves in awful isolation. No, he's brought us under Christ together with each other. In chapters 2 and 3, Paul really enthralls us with the news that not only have we been reconciled to God through Christ, we've been reconciled to one another through Christ. Every one of us, if we're saved, 
we're saved exactly the same way by the blood of Jesus. And so regardless of our social standing, regardless of our wealth, regardless of our race or ability, we are all equal before God and one another. And so God's called us together, reconciled to one another, united together under Christ. Our calling is to be the people who have together been united to the Lord Jesus, safe as his dearly loved children, rescued from God's coming wrath, secure together in the guarantee of eternal life. And having detailed this for the past three chapters, Paul then opens the second half of his letter with these weighty words, walk in a manner worthy of that calling, your calling. That's heavy words. And how do we do it? Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now notice there in verse 3, Paul doesn't say get the unity of the Spirit. No, he says keep it because we've already been given it. The unity of the Spirit is what we've just seen in chapters 1 to 3. It's that by the Spirit we've been united together to Christ with God as our Father. Together we share in the one God. Together we share in the one faith, the one hope. Paul summarizes this unity that we've been given in verse 4. Have a look, verse 4. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Friends, together we all share in the same things, the same eternal significant things, the one God, the one hope, the one faith, the one Lord. And so we're one body, united together in Christ. We've been given the unity of the Spirit. It is an enormous privilege that has been given to us. That out of all the peoples on the earth, he'd include us together in Christ. It's an incredible calling. And so Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. And the first way we're to do that is by our walk. And so verse 2, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle with one another. Verse 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Do whatever it takes to see that together we remain in Christ. Treat one another with humility and gentleness and patience and love. And we're to do this to help one another remain in Christ because he's the only way we can be saved. I mean, if a pandemic was sweeping across Dubbo, there was a virus spreading across town, In fact, my whole family has been vomiting this week, so hopefully this isn't that pandemic. But imagine that there was a virus sweeping across Dubbo so violent, it was actually killing people within 48 hours of contracting the virus. But the authorities had the one cure. And everyone could run down to the local chambers and they could get the cure. We'd make sure everybody knew about it, wouldn't we? We would make sure that our loved ones were safe. Christ is returning as the head over all all he is coming back to judge and we've already been made safe for that day we've already been given the cure for our sins jesus christ himself and so we'd make sure we all remain united in christ wouldn't we we'd all make sure that we're all safe 
And one way we can help each other remain Christian is by our walk, by being humble and gentle and patient and loving with one another. And I know that lots of people here are doing that. And thank you. But if there is someone here in your church family that you're not being humble before or not being gentle or patient with or someone in our church family that you're treating them in a way that actually hinders their Christian growth, it causes division instead of unity, if that's true, God's telling you and me this morning, make every effort to reverse it. Do whatever you can to keep the unity of the Spirit so that we remain together faithful to Christ because that is far more important and far more valuable than whatever differences we may have with one another. So we can keep our unity by our walk. The second way we're to keep our unity is by our talk. We're all to speak to one another of Christ so that we'll remain united together in him. And the great news is that the Lord Jesus hasn't left us alone in this. He's actually given gifts to his people in order to help us to be able to do it. Have a look at verse 7. Verse 7, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, literally there in verse 7, it says that grace has been given to each of us according to Christ's gift. Christ has given gifts to all of us. And in verses 8 to 10, Paul goes on to explain that these gifts that Christ has given are the spoils of his victory. Uh, He descended to earth, he died, he rose again, he ascended back into heaven, victorious and ruling over all things. And in his victorious reign, he gives gifts to his people. Now from verse 11, Paul rattles off some of those gifts that uh, Christ gives. And the gifts that he does mention, they're not all the gifts that Christ gives, but the gifts that Paul does mention here are leaders for the church. But as I read verses 11 and 12, look for the reason that Christ gives leaders to his people. Why does he do it? Have a look. Verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Do you notice why Christ gives leaders to his people? Is it so that the leaders get to feel special? Is it so that the leaders, you know, they're the only ones who get to do anything? No, verse 12, it's so that all of God's people can be prepared for works of service. It's so that we'll all contribute to our unity. It's so that we'll all play a part in building up the church. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be built up? I mean, are we talking about a lot of high fives, uh, giving each other pats on the back, making sure everyone feels positive and singing our team song? Uh, Is that what it means to build each other up? Well, we just have to keep reading because Paul's going to spell it out in the very next verse. We're to be built up in our knowledge of Christ. Have a look. Verse 13, we're all to be prepared for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, building each other up is being unified in our knowledge of the Son of God. 
there's very specific content to Christian encouragement. It's Christ who's united us to God, to one another. It's Christ that we need for salvation. And so it's Christ that we need to build one another up in, in our knowledge of him, becoming mature in him together. It's growing together in our appreciation of him and in our devotion to him. There is a real edge to our building up of each other. And it's all about Jesus. This is not nice cups of coffee for the sake of being nice. This is more than simply being friendly with one another. A healthy church is not one where we just all simply get along. We can go to a Rotary Club for that. No, church is very specific. Christian encouragement has a definite direction. For you and I to build up early church, where do we encourage each other in our knowledge of the Son of God? And as far as the Bible is concerned, as far as God's concerned, This is pastoral care. Pastoral care is a term thrown around a lot in churches, isn't it? And for different people, it can mean different things. For some, pastoral care is, it only happens whenever the minister comes to visit. It's nice when someone else comes along from church and says hello, and they might even open up the Bible and pray with me, but church doesn't really care for me unless the pastor comes and says hello. And yet that's almost the exact opposite attitude of what we have here in Ephesians chapter 4. Because here, what's the pastor's job? Verses 11 and 12, it's to prepare God's people for works of service, to build up the body of Christ. Pastoral pastoral care is something we all are doing, or we all should be doing. Down in verse 16, Paul will even say that the body of Christ builds itself up as each part does its work. Pastoral care, building each other up, that's done by everybody. But remember, pastoral care is not just visiting people. It's more than just being nice with people. Pastoral care is all of us building each other up in our knowledge of Christ. And it is really important. Because the Lord Jesus is returning in glory. The head over all things. Lord and judge over all. And so building each other up in our knowledge of the Son of God, that's what we do. What else would we do? And apart from all this, we build each other up because there are going to be those who will want to tear us down. People who will try and persuade us away from Christ. And we're to be here for each other to make sure that we don't get tossed around by every wind of teaching that floats our way. Verse 14. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul's got a a couple of lovely pictures here of a church family. I hope you noticed them. The first one is picturing us like a mighty ship, stable on the waters, that despite the raging wind and waves of false teaching, we remain firm, we remain upright, not capsizing, not being tossed back and forth, but remaining on course. And look there in verse 15. The way we remain upright in our knowledge of the Son of God, verse 15 is by speaking the truth in love to one another. 
Now, it's at this point that Paul changes images and pictures a church family as a body with Christ as our head and we grow up in him as a body. We're built up in him as we speak the truth in love to one another. And this incredibly privileged and significant and important task of speaking the truth to one another, it's something we're all involved in. Verse 16 again, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, we're all connected to one another. We're united together in Christ. We're united to one another in Christ. And so we grow together in him. We build each other up. We keep the unity of the spirit as we all talk, as we speak the truth in love to one another. Friends, this is a marvellous passage, a marvellous passage. Just take a step back for a moment and see the big picture. Remember, God has caught us up in the middle of his plans for all creation. He's brought us together, united in Christ, united to God, united to one another. And together we enjoy the certainty of God's salvation. Together we live for the praise of our God and Saviour. And if we can just catch even a glimpse of the eternal significance of this unity that God has given us, we'll make every effort to keep our unity of the Spirit. Because this is the most precious and important thing happening, not just in our own lives, but in the entire world. And so the Christian lives of our brothers and sisters around us, they are vitally important to us. Now, maybe you've never realised this before that we all have a crucial role to play in seeing each other remain Christian. Or maybe you have heard all this before, but you've just honestly never got off the couch to play your part. Brothers and sisters, we need each other and we're to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit that God's given us. And a crucial way we can do this is by our talk. It's by speaking the truth of Christ to one another. And there are so many ways we can do this. For example, we've made it easy, relatively easy, by establishing groups that meet week by week to do it. We can have this as just part of our weekly routine. And all we need to do is commit to a growth group. It is an incredibly privileged task to speak the truth to one another. And we've got groups that do it every single week. So if you're not in a growth group, for your sake... Probably more importantly, for our sake, ultimately, for the sake of Christ himself, if you can, please commit to one. But look, there's a heap of other ways we can be doing this. One in particular that I would love to see sweep right across our early church family. I speak to hundreds of people about Christ when I preach. Along with others, I'm in groups of 10 to 25 when I meet in our growth groups. But perhaps the most significant way I speak the truth in love in our church family is when I simply meet with one other person week by week to read the Bible and pray together. It is so encouraging. We just open up God's word. And we work at understanding it together and asking, how does this shape our thinking and and our lives? And, And we pray for one another. We get to know one another. We share life together. We talk of Christ to one another. It is such a powerful way 
to build each other up. It's the most significant way I speak the truth of Christ in our church family. And I would love to see an army of people in our church involved in this. I'm working towards more and more of us being equipped so that we can read God's word with another person to simply meet up with someone else during the week, read the Bible and speak the truth of Christ to one another. If we were all doing this together, imagine our growth in Christ. Now you might be sitting there thinking that it all sounds good in theory, but you wouldn't know where to start. And you're not sure if you'd be able to do it. That's okay. Come and chat to me and we'll see what we can do. Because I would love to be able to help more and more of us to be able to share God's word with one another. Come and see me over morning tea. In fact, early church, overwhelm me with numbers. Make it hard for me to work out how are we going to prepare so many people at once to read the Bible together. Because, brothers and sisters, we've been given the unity of the Spirit. And that's worth keeping. We're together, united to God and united to one another. We're committed to keeping that unity to see that together we remain in Christ and we do it by our walk and we do it by our talk. Let me pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us your word. Thank you that you have given us your son Father, thank you that you've given us your spirit. Father, thank you that you've given us each other. And we pray that together we would understand just what a rich honour and privilege it is to be together your people. And so, Father, we pray that we would make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit that you've given us, that we would walk before one another in all humility and in love. And that, Father, we would speak the truth of Christ to one another to see that we remain together in him, safe and ready for that last great day. And we pray it for the praise of Christ himself. Amen.